Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm excited because we're going to start a series today. For about eight weeks, we're going to be in the book of Genesis, and we're going to take a look at the most interesting man in the world, Abraham. So, well, it had been a good life. Uh, Looking back, he had accomplished much. He had attained for himself many thousands of head of cattle and sheep. Uh, No pigs. Those were not his favorite, but uh, he didn't know why. Uh, He was gearing up for his retirement years. He was 75 years young, and he was looking at a particular plot of land on the river. Uh, It was beautiful there. Uh, Of course, this was long before the river moved. Uh, that he lived down there, but uh, he was looking at this particular spot. He had his eye on it, and he knew the guy that owned it, and he thought, maybe I could do a trade, maybe I could do a swap. Um, He was ready to settle down. He was ready to kick back, relax, enjoy his, his last few years with his wife, with his father, his nephew. His wife and him, even in their old age, they had never had children. They had been able to save up a lot of money because of that. Uh, There was no kids to put through college, no no chariots to buy for anybody, uh, no insurance to worry about. Um, They were able to just enjoy their hard work and what they had set aside for themselves. And it was time. He could feel it when he woke up in the morning, when he, when he got up in bed out of the tent and he would stretch. He could feel it. You know that feeling. Those knees from all those years of lacrosse when he was younger. Those elbows and the bursitis that acted up every once in a while. Those shoulders that just weren't quite as limber and able to get things accomplished. The eyesight that just kind of took a little longer in the morning to adjust. He could feel it, that it was time to just take life easy, to relax. His wife had been on him about it because she had always said, Abe, you work too much. You just need to settle down, relax. Let some stuff take care of itself. Why don't you do something, grab Lot and have him, put him to work. That slacker kid of, well, you know, your brother's kid. Uh, he's kind of some trouble and it'd be probably good for him to, to work a little bit. And Sarai, his wife, she hounded Abram a little bit. And he could sense it was time. Then a weird thing happened. He was doing his normal idol worshiping gig. Uh, That's what the folks, uh, the Chaldeans in Ur, that's what they did. Uh, Ur was about 200 miles south of modern day Babylon. And it was there at the great ziggurat. In fact, we have a photo from back then of the great ziggurat of Ur. 
And this ziggurat is 70 feet high and it has uh, pictographs of all of the gods that they worshipped. And Abraham was there at his normal spot uh, worshiping, trying to get some direction from the gods, what to do. Should I get that land? Should I settle down? Should I relax, take it easy? And it was there that he started wondering. <laughs> All these years, 75 years, I've come to this place and I have yet to hear anything. 75 years, I've wandered over here. I've brought the finest of my flocks. I've sacrificed. I've done what the priests have told me to do. And I have yet to ever feel any kind of peace, any kind of connection with any of these gods. I don't understand. I don't seem to experience anything when I show up here. But I go through the motions because that's where everybody goes. He's on his way home. And he heard for the first time. He wasn't quite sure if it was audible or if it was in his head or maybe it was that bad burrito he ate at Big Ed's last night. But he wasn't quite sure. He heard, Abram, I want you to leave the land of your father and I want you to leave your family and I want you to go to the land I show you. (laughs) That was it. Three verses. That's all he got. What would you do if you're Abram? What would you do? 75? Wife 65? She's been nagging at you to settle down. Take it easy. You've got that that river bottom land you've had your eye on. You're ready for some fishing. You're ready to kick back, relax, take it easy. Let the young bucks come up and and take over. What would you do? I would have at least had a discussion with the voice, right? Uh, Who are you? Did I really hear that? What? Serious? Uh, You got the wrong guy. There's all sorts of dialogue that I think I would have entered into with that voice. How about you? (laughs) I hear far less impressionable things than that, and I have discussions. With the voice I hear. You want me to what? No way. Absolutely not. Uh Uh-uh. Not my fault. Not going to do it. No. Get out of here. Leave me alone. I have way more discussions. Abraham, the amazing thing is, no discussion occurred. Just action. Just action. That irritates me. That really irritates me because I like to live up here in my brain. It's one of my favorite places to be. Just love it up there. It's fascinating, interesting. I think big thoughts all the time. I try to think of impossible thoughts regularly, five before breakfast every day. And I try to think about issues and think through things. And I like to be logical and theological. And I like to read my Bible. And I like to the life of the mind. And action? Well, we'll get to that, you know. We'll get to that once we figure it all out. We'll get to action. Some of you are totally opposite of me. You'd rather not think. You'd rather just act. That's not a bad thing. That's who you are. That's how God has made you. You act. You get things done. You act first. Ask for forgiveness later. 
I try to figure out all the ways I'm going to get in trouble before acting, and then I fail to act. Abram was one that acted on God's voice. Oh, if we could be those kind of people. Just imagine how we could change the world if we were the kind of people that when God said jump, we didn't say how high. We just jumped. Just imagine what we could do. Here's a, here's a little insight into what Abram, the man who did this, was able to do. He's mentioned in the Bible 311 times. 311 times. If you're mentioned in the Bible once, like Stephen, that's a big thing. That's pretty cool. If you're mentioned five times, 10 times, 15 times, 20 times, it's pretty amazing. If you're mentioned 311 times, you're Abram. He is mentioned 74 times in the New Testament. He is mentioned in 11 of the 27 books in the New Testament. Jesus mentioned him by name, recorded in Scripture seven times. This is the most interesting man in the world. Abram had a bigger impact on the world than anybody next to Jesus. Can you imagine? We're still... Can you, can you comprehend? We are still studying this man's life three, four thousand years later. What will people be studying about your life three, four thousand years from now? Here's a quick hint. Probably nothing. And that's not meant to depress you. That's meant to make you go, wow, Abram? He must have been really special. He must have been amazing. All those 75 years living, leading up to God's call on his life, he must have been like walking around and creating birds out of the dust and then they'd fly away. He must have had some special mojo, some special abilities. He must have been somebody who was on top of things, amazing, really cool, fascinating. No. 75 years and... He hadn't made much a dent in the world. 75 years, and his claim to fame was he worshiped idols. That's what it tells us in Joshua. It's what it tells us in Hebrews, that he worshiped idols. Like his father, Terah, and his brother, Nahor. He was an idol worshiper. He hadn't done anything to impress God. He hadn't done any. In fact, when we enter into the story, In Genesis chapter 11, verse 27, we find that the earth is spinning utterly out of control. Anybody ever feel like the earth is spinning utterly out of control? Anybody ever wonder, God, what's going on? Why are you allowing these things to happen? Well, you're in good company. It's kind of always been that way. The first 11 chapters of Genesis... Just to speed, get you caught up, you know, I haven't preached those. God creates everything. He says everything's good. Adam and Eve sin. They disobey. They eat this fruit that God told them not to eat. He kicks them out of the garden. He places this flaming sword in front of a tree so that they don't eat and live forever. Just think if they were still around. And then, hopefully they'd have clothes. And then... They have sons and daughters. Their, their first boys don't get along. One of them kills the other. Uh, and it can, continues to spiral out of control. Moms, be encouraged by that. Your kids haven't killed one another. <laughs> the first siblings, that's a rivalry. It spins out of control. It gets so bad that God is bummed that he made people. He says that. I, I, what was I thinking? 
He brings a flood. He finds Noah, his family. He saves them. He brings this flood, destroys everything. He thinks, oh, new beginning. Things will get better. We got a rainbow going on. And then continue to fall away from God. And it's almost like God's at the end of the rope. And we're only 11 chapters into this book. And I wonder, did he appear to other idol worshipers? Hey, go to the land, I'll show you. Leave everything behind. I wonder if other folks heard that message from God and they were like, dude, I got things to do. I'm 75. You're barking up the wrong tree here. Or I'm 25. I'm too young. Or I got my whole life ahead of me. Why would I listen to you? I wonder if there was other possible Abrams that God approached and they just said no. I would really doubt that God would leave himself without a witness of some sort all those years. That was free. That's not in the Bible. Don't take notes on that. But Abram listens. So let's pick it up in verse 11, 27. I'd encourage you to bring your Bible. I didn't put the words on the screen because I thought if I put it on the screen, then you're not going to bring your Bible. So then I thought if I don't, then you'll bring your Bible. So bring your Bible. If you didn't bring it this week, make it up. Um, this is the account of Terah's family line. Terah is Abram's dad. And by the way, when you hear me say Abram or Abraham, same dude. He's going to get his name changed. We'll hit that later. This is the account of Terah's family line. Terah became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran became the father of Lot. While his father Terah was still alive... Haran died in Ur of the Chaldees in the land of his birth. Abram and Nahor both married. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah. Now, this is interesting because Sarai's name means princess. You know, kind of like my daughter, I call her princess, but I didn't name her that because that'd be presumptuous. But this dad named his daughter princess, Sarai, Sarah, princess. The other's name is Milcah. And Milka is from the Hebrew root for the word king and queen. So both these girls have been given these names, these names that are kind of titles, the queen and the princess. These guys have married well, but there's going to be a problem that we see. Now, Sarai was childless because she was not able to conceive. Do you know how bad a news that is in the ancient world? Do you know how bad a news that is in the modern world? But as bad as that is in the ancient or the modern world, this family line is about to die out. This family line is about to go extinct. And when you read this lineage, this whole genealogy right before this, you find out that this is the family line of Shem. And Shem was one of Noah's sons. Shem was the blessed line. Shem's was the line that remembered who God was. And this line, this line of Shem is about to die out. <laughs> so Terai, Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son Abram. And together they set out from Ur of the Chaldees to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Now, you and I don't even understand where this is. Ur of the Chaldees was about 200 miles south 
of Babylon. That's a long ways. And Haran is up in modern-day Turkey. It's about 670 miles from Ur to Haran. I googled, mapped this, because you can do that kind of stuff nowadays. I doubt they had these abilities back then. Um, It would take you 217 hours to walk from Ur to Haran. And I'm assuming that's by yourself without a whole bunch of stuff in tow. I can see why they'd stop, can't you? I mean, just think of the kids. Are we there yet? I mean, they're not even in a minivan. There's no DVD player. This is just walking. This is riding camels. This is just dust and dirt. Are we there yet? Okay, we're here now. So just get off and we're going to set up the tent and we're going to stay here a while. So they stay in Haran. Haran is still a good ways from Shechem. We'll find. Well, Terah lived 205 years and he died in Haran. Goodbye, Terah. He's gone. Okay, we're done with him. (laughs) Don't you love how the Bible just, boom, (laughs) summary statement. (laughs) Some of us will have that summary statement for us someday too. (laughs) Steve lived... 44 years so far and died. You know, I mean, I don't know what that, what length it'll be. Many of us, that's our summary statement. I don't know why I said that. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. That's all Abram got. That's all he has to go on. Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. That's it. I will make you into a great nation. And I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you. I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. <laughs> That's it. That's what he's got to go on. What would you do? 75 years young. You just traveled 217 hours from Ur to Haran and your dad died. What would you do? <laughs> you know, I think it's time to find somebody else. So Abram went. What a stud. I mean, how cool is that? So he went. Now that's a line worth having written about for you, isn't it? Abram said, God said something to you, so you did it. So you went. I mean, the call of God on Abram's life is fascinating because number one, he doesn't merit it at all. He was an idol worshiper. He hung out at that big pyramid thing, the ziggurat. That was his world, his religion, his gods. He didn't merit this. He didn't do anything that God's like, hey, look at him. He's really nice to his neighbors. I should really get to know him. Hey, look at Abram. He never lies. Hey, look at Abram. He's just such a great guy. He did nothing to merit God going, wow, look at him. Just in case you don't know this, and this might break some of your all hearts, but I'm sorry about that. God doesn't take much notice of your good works. God's not impressed. If you've ever flown in an airplane, we flew to California this past summer, and we flew over Las Vegas. Can I tell you just how 
unimpressive Las Vegas is from the air. I mean, it's no big deal. You're looking down and going, I think that's Vegas. I'm not quite sure. It was during the daytime, so it wasn't even lit up. I mean, it's just like, okay, next. And do you know how high above you God is? And do you know how often we are busy building things to our own glory? In fact, did you know that this ties into a story that happened right before God called Abram? The people decided, let's make our name great. Let's build a tower to the gods in heaven and let's do this. And so they did it and they started making bricks and baking them. And they had new technology and they were all impressed with themselves and they're building things. And God says, hey, <laughs> do you, I don't remember that being there. You, let's go down and check this out. That's what it says. God says, let's go down. Because this thing's really tall, but it's still a long ways from God. He's not impressed. And many of us are busy building our lives with good works and trying harder and doing better and being nicer. And God looks and goes, it's going to take a lot more bricks to get here. Abram been doing that for 75 years. And God looked down and went, I got to help the guy out. God is looking at many of you. And he's looking at your life that you're building and you're working and you're trying. And you're trying to be good and nice and neat. And he looks down and he goes, I got to help you. Abram experienced God's unmerited grace, his unmerited favor. He did nothing to earn it. He did nothing to gain it. God just said, there's a guy. Let's see what he says. He does the same with you and I. He looks down. He says, there's some folks. Let's see what they say. Hey, I'm God. I came in the flesh as Jesus Christ. What do you have to say about that? Uh, and some say yes. And some say, please. And it's based on that, that God decides our fates for all eternity. So Abram is experiencing God's favor, his unmerited grace. And here we see that God is telling him, I want you to go. And Abram could have said, I would have said, if it was to Steve, I want you to go. I would have said, where? And God would have said, I'll show you later. Go anyway. How many of you like that? Those directions? Anybody? <laughs> Especially some of you wives, right? Because you're like, he won't even follow directions when we have him. Last thing we need is directionless God, right? I mean, give the guy GPS, do something, some coordinates, do something, please. But it says, Abram, go where I'll show you later. Just go. You know, this ties in really well with our whole building project. <laughs> really well. Because some of you are probably thinking, well, Steve had some kind of closet experience where God told him, Steve build a building, you know, and it, no, it didn't go down like that at all. He didn't talk to any of the elders. He didn't talk to me in that way. We are busy just kind of sensing a go. We're trying to, to follow that go. Uh, he also says, I'm going to make you into a great nation. <laughs> God question. I mean, this is Steve talking, not Abram because Abram just did what God said, but Steve would have said, uh, how? 
75. Viagra's not around yet, Jesus. Sarah's 65. How is this going to work, God? Wouldn't, I mean, that's a good question. How? And God says, I'll show you later. Trust me. You see, Abram is just following after God. He just takes what God does and says, and he just moves out in faith. He moves out in faith. Now, he doesn't always do it very well. And we're going to see that over the next few weeks that Abram doesn't do it very well. In fact, by the end of this chapter, he's not doing it very well. So be encouraged by that. (laughs) But he says, so Abram went as the Lord had told him. And, uh oh, we've already run into a problem. Lot went with him. He's got a lot. He's got a nephew lot. What did it say at the beginning of chapter 12? Go from your country, your people, and your father's household. Go from them. Leave them. Leave them. Okay, I'll go, but I'm going to bring Lot with me. I like Lottie. He's a good guy. Lottie's a good friend of mine. He's, he's my nephew. I'm going to look out for him. My brother died. Lot needs to come. I'm bringing Lot. How many times does God tell you to do something and, and well, you do it mostly, but you bring Lot with you? I mean, some of us, we're, we're being told to leave and go and do something and we're busy just fighting it and we're busy. Uh, I don't know. You should leave that boyfriend, that girlfriend. You should leave that job, that career. You should leave that situation. You should get out of that. She should move. This should happen. And we go, "Ah, I'm not so sure. I kind of like Lot. The interesting thing is that there's no comment here as to, and Abraham sinned and God was mad and he sent a fire. And, you know, it doesn't say any of that, which how a lot of us think that way, right? Don't we? Don't we think that way? Oh, I messed up. I picked the wrong career. God's going to. He doesn't work that way. But here's how it works. Lots of pain in the neck for Abraham for the rest of his life. Like everything Lot does is a problem. It's like every time Lot's in the picture, you should just think, oh, no. He should have been left in Haran. Abraham, why didn't you listen to God? Why don't we listen to God about our lots? So he took Lot. He's already kind of messing up a little bit. He took his wife, Sarai, his nephew, Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran. (laughs) Not sure what that means. And they set out for the land of Canaan and they arrived there. They got to Canaan. They're there. Abram traveled through the land as far as the side of the great tree of Moreh at Shechem. Now, why does the Bible mention a great tree of Moreh? I mean, when you think of the Middle East, do you think of great trees, number one? There was back then. This is the great tree of Moreh. And parchment was hard to come by. Why would you waste some words? Great tree of Moreh. Just tell us we got to Shechem. Well, back in the ancient world, they worshipped trees and they worshiped at trees and they believed that there were spirits in the trees. I mean, it rose 
out from the ground and it stretched super high into the sky and it outlived people. It's just, oh, it's a tree. We don't think like that. Farmers hate trees. They cut trees down all the time. We don't worship trees. We think trees get in the way sometimes. But these guys, they worship trees. And then it says, at that time, the Canaanites were in the land. (laughs) The Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. I think it's so interesting that Abram finds himself back at the local bar, so to speak. He gets all the way to Shechem and he's back at the ziggurat. He's back with the idol worshipers. And I don't think that it means that he went back to his idolatry, to his idol worship. But I think he just went to where he knew people would gather and congregate. And what does he do there? He builds an altar. You know, sometimes if you're following Christ, you have to go into some dark spots. And sometimes when you go into dark spots, Christians look at you and go, well, you shouldn't be there. Abram should not have been at the tree of Morah. He's guilty by association. This is a horrible place for any true God follower to be at. And I think Abram went there because he's like, yo, there's a new God in town. I've got three verses. I'm going to preach a sermon and build an altar. I think that's what's going on here. He doesn't have the whole Bible. Moses hasn't written it yet. He's got these three verses that we read. And he's like, let me tell you about something. I came from Ur all the way to Haran, now down to Canaan. And let me tell you why I'm here. I still don't know if this is the place. I'm pretty sure. And then as he builds this altar, God speaks to him. This is the land I'm going to give you. I mean, what a story, right? In other words, you have enough information to be qualified to be Abram. You've got enough to do what Abram did. You've got this whole book. You've got weekly preaching. You've got the internet. You can listen to any preacher you want. You don't like me? Find another you like. You can listen to stuff. You can read books. You can grow. You can learn. Abram had three verses. And he showed up at the tree of Morah, the place that was the competing ideologies and worldviews in that ancient world, the competing religions of the day. And he said, you're all wrong. I found out about this God. Don't know much about it. I got three verses. I'm going to preach a little bit. Then we're going to build an altar and we're going to make sacrifice. Are you interested in this? Uh, it's not much to go on, Abram. I know. But I followed that little information all the way from Ur to here. And I'm pretty sure that if you're my buddy, things are going to go well. Because the voice said, whoever blesses you, I'll bless But whoever curses you, I'll curse. You want in on this? You want to be blessed or you want to be cursed? It's up to you. I mean, that's a weird sermon, right? That's all the guys got to go on. And it says, from there he went on toward the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent. With Bethel Bethel on the west and Ai on the east, there he built an altar to the Lord and called the name of the Lord. Then Abram set out and continued toward the Negev. That's all we got time for today. But this is the most interesting man in the world. Three major religions trace themselves to Abram. The Arab world all traces themselves to Abram. The Israelites, the Arabs, Jews, Islam. 
and Christians all think of Father Abraham as the guy, the man. 60% of the world's population finds their religious roots in Abram. That's amazing. What is it that God wants you to leave? What is it that you're unwilling to leave because you lack faith and trust and confidence in God? What is it that God just says, leave it, leave your family, leave that behind. Just get out of it. You've got to move on. And what is it you're just saying? Oh, but I like my lot. Do you have faith like Abram? What I most find amazing Abram didn't merit this. I mean, you've got to understand that. And some of you today might be thinking, how can God accept me? You know, the amazing thing is he accepts you by grace. That he's able to reach into the muck and mire of your life. And through love and mercy and grace, he wants to lead you to a new place. He wants to make you into a new creation. He wants to wash you as white as snow. He wants you to know him, to walk with him, to be radically changed by him. And to do this, you just have to say, yes, I believe I'll follow Let me challenge you with these last words. I look back on my life and I've only lived 44 years. Every time I have followed God, I have never had a regret. Every time. No matter how hard it was, no matter what it cost me, every time I look back, I haven't regretted following God. But every time I didn't, Man, I got the bruises and the bumps and the stupid tags to show for it. Let's be Abrams. Let's be Sarai's. Let's follow God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for Abram and his ability, his willingness to follow you with so little information. Forgive us when we think, oh, I don't know enough, so I couldn't possibly. I'm not qualified, so therefore, help us to understand that when you call us, you qualify us. And Lord, we know that you are talking and speaking into our lives. And much of the time, it's through your holy word. So help us recognize your words for what it is. Let us saturate our lives in your word. Let us be people who when you speak to us, we move. Holy Spirit, make it so. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. May you follow God no matter what. Amen.